At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO, co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American health care. One of the perks of being able to run this show is that we get to talk to people on really the cutting edge, the bleeding edge uh, in, in certain healthcare fields, if you will, of the new stuff coming out there. How do we improve upon what is established? Is there a way to improve upon what is established? I think that's always the first question. Going back to uh, the, the one of a great Jeff Goldblum quote in Jurassic Park, just because we can, does that mean we should? There's a lot of times where it says, yes, we should do this. We should continue to innovate. We should continue to do what's best for the patient. And in one of those areas, that's a hot topic, is cognitive assessments. How do we get accurate assessments? How do we get accurate testing? How do we get accurate results using new technology to try to get people the access to all the different health and treatment that they possibly need when it comes to really their brains, the great stuff up top? Please welcome to our show, Tom O'Neill, the CEO of CogniView. Tom, welcome to Healthcare Americana. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. We were talking about, uh, in, in the introduction there, the, the gray stuff between people's ears. Where is the innovation? Because so many tests, and, and you know, this is what you, you've, you've said this to so many people before, so many things are three, four, or five decades old. It is ripe for innovation, yet how do we make sure that innovation is going in the right places and that we're actually enhancing access to these type of tools to make people's lives better. Yeah. So, so first off, great question. Thanks for the time and thanks for the introduction. I, I think, you know, healthcare has progressed so far along that our bodies are outliving our brains. And I think that's pretty clear based on how many people are dealing with everything from mild cognitive impairment up to including things like dementias and including Alzheimer's. I think what's changed pretty dramatically in the last six months is now the first fully approved medication from the FDA for mild cognitive impairment, including early Alzheimer's, is a drug by a pharmaceutical company called ASI. The drug is called Lakembi. They just approved it, but then CMS did something which is really exciting, is that they also said they would cover the cost of it. Now, this is where it becomes a challenge is the drug is $26,500 a year. It's not inexpensive. It's very expensive. It also has some pretty significant side effects. So what CMS also required was what they're calling a registry. The simple way to explain that is it's a prior authorization process to get access to the drug and then to be put on the drug. 
So there's a lot going on now, which is making everybody from policymakers, like you said, policymakers, commercial payers, health systems providers, everybody starting to relook at how are they going to handle the onslaught of patients that are going to come looking for access to this medication. So you mentioned it. Everything that's out there is 30, 40-year-old paper and pencil test. And I guarantee you, most of your listeners, if they're actually just consumers or patients, understand this because they've either gone through it themselves or they've been the caregiver helping their mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa get through it. And, and there's a better way. There's just a better way. So walk us through really the history of cognitive assessment, what it was before, and then really where Cognive View is taking it. Yeah, so it was just that. It was a paper and pencil test. You've heard terms MOCA, MMSE, mini mental status exam, the mini cog, which is two or three questions. And they're really more just question and answer type of assessments. Now, you can ask any adult if they want to go through a question and answer assessment, and I can promise you their first answer is going to be no. So, And if they've gone through the MOCA or the MMSE, I can also guarantee you they felt um, belittled, they felt stupid, they felt like all these things, right? Because they're actually, there's a, it's a human, it's a, a doctor, a nurse, somebody who's trained administers it, and it's a question and answer type of assessment. And they're not only having the patients answering the questions, but then that, that clinician's also scoring them. The difference for us is ours are no question and answers. Ours are a series of 10 exercises in 10 minutes, and it's adapting to the individual's uh, abilities throughout the entire exercise, all, the, all 10 exercises. So it's, we have an intro video, so everybody gets the same introduction to the technology. It doesn't take staff time. It's self-administered, so the patient takes it themselves, and it's self-scored. And it's a, it's a little bit of that gamification. So when we do market research and we ask the patients, what do they like about it versus a MOCA or MMSE? They like it because it doesn't feel threatening, scary. It's not question and answer. We're not doing an IQ test. You know, all the things you hear from the patients. So they actually like the fact that it feels more like a game than it does like a question and answer paper and pencil test kind of following what modern test taking has become. And for those of you who are able to log into and really pull up our YouTube channel and Freedom HealthWorks YouTube channel, uh, I believe there is a one of your devices sitting behind you on the desk. Yeah, it is. That super simple little unit, get in there, take this exam. So I, I want to talk, you know, efficacy of it. What are you seeing as far as easy usability? I mean, there's got to be some kind of numbers out of here where people are like, wow, this was a lot more, <laughs> this is a much more pleasant experience than sitting down with a paper and pencil or just getting peppered with questions. Yeah, 100%. So the thank you for the question. But the the only interaction that the patient has with the entire test is this wheel, this this little joystick in the middle. That's the only interaction they have with with all 10 exercises. So you hover the, the the circle or you hover it over a specific answer and and it measures that, right? So we've gone through the FDA. We're the first FDA-cleared computerized test for cognition. So that happened back in 2015. So since then, what we've been doing is adding more clinical validation, so doing patient uh, studies with thousands and thousands of patients. But we've also done... 
Things like market research to understand what the patient likes about it. That's why we've added things like the intro video, things like making sure that the patient understands what the test is and what the test isn't. In addition to that, making sure that we're educating the clinicians. So whether it's you know, we, we have two versions. We have one that we is more of a screening. We sell that into audiologist, pharmacist, optometrist. And then we have the clarity version, which is in the MD's office, whether it's primary care, internal medicine, family practice, all the way up to neurology and neuropsych. So we're making sure that they understand the data that comes out of it and how that helps them help their patients. I like the education of really both sides of it. So you know, when I asked the previous question, uh, a couple of questions ago, I'm like, all right, so what are we doing these days versus where are you guys going right now? So in my mind, you know, I'm connecting the dots and, and this is a way that's much more user-friendly, easier for the you know physician to get in there and assess somebody. What happens after somebody does complete the test? You said, I think you said it takes about 10 minutes or so, give or take. Yep, 10 minutes and it, and it self-scores. So it gives a report and breaks that report out by an overall score for the patient, and then also by domain. So it helps that doctor understand what might be going on with that patient. So if they're going to make, if they're going to treat the patient, it might, listen, it could be anything from the modifiable risk factors of diet, exercise, lifestyle, mindfulness, hearing. It could be those. It could be medication driven. It could be though, it could be something more significant tied to uh, things like mild cognitive impairment leading to dementia and Alzheimer's. So it helps that doctor. We don't diagnose any. We're not a diagnostic tool. We're an assessment. So the doctor is the one that diagnoses. So, yeah, and then you equip the physician with the understanding that if the results say this, here's the things to look out for. It feels like a, a much more collaborative approach than what we had before with more of an analog type of solution. Yeah, I think it's analog is a great description because even even the ones that um, the, the the cognitive testing the D, we call them DCAs the digital cognitive assessment tools that are out there that are like app based they're still that type of tool but they're on an iPad they're on an app it, or on a phone they're still they still got those same lim- limitations and same challenges with ours the first two subtests don't have anything to do with your score the first measures your motor skills. And then adapts the rest of the subtest to your motor skills. Because if you're, I'll give you an example, Chris. If you're a student athlete, your motor skills are going to be very different than a 35-year-old with MS versus my parents who are 79 and may have arthritis or, or some other motor challenges. And it measures your motor skills and then adapts the rest of the subtest to your motor ability. Same with visual acuity. So the second test is visual acuity. And it adapts the rest of the subtest to your visual acuity. Now, we're measuring every one-twelfth of a second. So there's 130,000 data points that come out of ours after 10 minutes. And if you think about that, if my mom, who's 79, has to has to look at it to try to make sure the glare is out of her way and she takes two or three seconds to get to an answer, that can change her score. So we try to really focus that patient and measure them in a way that's meaningful. And so to your point, what's different, our test retest reliability is significantly better than than those, the MOCA and the MMSE that are out there. The gold standards, if you will, is what the, the doctors will call it. But but certainly we're, we're, we have that clinical data to support what we do. 
And you publish a lot of that data on your website at cogniview.com. And I always like that. You know, it's always it's always interesting in this world where people make say, hey, we, we got this new thing out. We, we're doing this. We're doing that. And then there's a difference between what you guys are doing and the saying, hey, here's the numbers. Here's the proof behind it here where we're actually helping people out. So, again, you know, connect the dots for me. So we take the Cogniview test and we say, hey, look, there's there's some potential risks here Bring us home there with what you mentioned earlier about new medications coming online where they're having success actually helping people with dementia, Alzheimer's, stuff that is just crippling and debilitating for really entire families, not just that individual. So a couple of things to think about here is um, there is there is a drug, a new drug that just got approved, this Lakembi, it's a size drug. Eli Lilly, right in your backyard, is going to, we expect that one will be approved in December, and it's an improvement over the the current ASI drug. And there are 13 other drugs in phase three trials that are expected to hit the market in the next four years. So there's a lot happening. Now, if if you think about it, though, it doesn't always have to be medication-driven improvement, right? And I think that's really the educational piece of this. I'll tell you a quick funny story. So when I first took over here five and a half years ago, I called my parents. They live in Cleveland. I said, I took over as the CEO of Cogview. I'm going to bring the device by the house. I want you guys to take it. My dad's like, not a chance. Am I taking that? My mom's like, absolutely, I'll take it. And and I asked my dad, I said, why not? He goes, I already know I have early Alzheimer's. I said, how do you know that? Right. And he says, because I forget why I walked in a room and I forget where I left my keys. And I said, dad, if that was the litmus test, then we all got it. Right. I said, I said, the fact that you actually recognize that you don't remember why you don't and, and that you don't, that may be an indication. I said, I said, Dad, would it be surprising to, for you to understand things like, I know you have sleep apnea. I, I lived with you for, for 25 years before I moved out. Like, I know you have sleep apnea untreated. You've been smoking for 64 years, right? Like all these different things that I went through with him. He goes, no, I didn't know those were all key components to MCI, mild cognitive impairment. So my point being is, your question's a great one, that there are great new medications coming, but there are what they call the modifiable risk factors that are that if you empower a patient, that they can handle, they can take care of. So whenever I've talked to, to doctors, and I've been in healthcare for 30 years, they always say, hey, I already counsel my patient to eat right and exercise. I'm like, yeah, but this is an inflection point. This is something they can look at and go, I got an issue that I got to do something about. I didn't start taking my Lipitor and watching my my cholesterol, right, until I saw what my numbers were. So here you have a number tied to your cognitive function. It's going to drive you to do something about it. And that's what we're trying to do is not only empower doctors, but empower their patients to control what they can control. So point is that there's no actual magic pill. That's going to do everything. It's a combination of factors. And I'm like, this is so true because I'm sitting here shaking my head. And I, I think your Lipitor example was was really spot on, right? Like people, a lot of people prefer to live kind of with the ostrich in their head, buried, head ostriches in their head buried in the sand there. Let me get that out. And don't want to look at it until someone smacks them between the eyes and say, look at this. Look at this. This is bad. This is not good. And this will kill you unless you make a difference, right? Or this will impact your life and those around you until you make a change. And maybe we're all just optimists. The way we don't want to think anything's wrong or ever will happen. Story with your dad kind of reminds me of that. You know, most guys have that superhuman kind of mindset with them and nothing ever bad is ever going to happen until 
until one day it does. You know, what's interesting is my dad ended up taking it and he, and he did fine on it. But, but I think that ties to that component of educating patients. The other piece is we did before COVID when the, the world was different, we were doing employer health fairs. So we did them at everything from Samsung and Silicon Valley to waste management all over the country to uh, Cleveland Clinic for their employees to the to, to um, car dealerships, groups of car dealerships. And you ever been to a employee health fair? It's like they set it up in the lobby or they set it up in the cafeteria and it's a bunch of tables and different suppliers and vendors and stuff. And usually they're like two or three hours. I'm not exaggerating, Chris. We would have four machines. We would have to stay an hour and a half to two hours longer at every single one of those. We had a waiting list of people that wanted to come and take our Cognivu Thrive, which is our five-minute screening. And when you know we'd ask them why, they're like, listen, we use our brains every day. Like We want to understand. And there's a thing we call the worried well. So you and I were young enough, we may not have it, but we've seen and we've been a caregiver to or we've seen, you know, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, somebody deal with because I don't know that you can talk to many people anymore who haven't been touched by dementias, including up to including Alzheimer's, where they we call them the worried well, because they they're like, I seen grandma have it. Does that mean I got this? So all generations, doesn't matter which generation, the thing they're most worried about, not cancer, not heart disease. It's dementia and Alzheimer's. To your point earlier, our bodies are, by and large, outliving our minds for the first time. And we don't know why. And and I think that's where a lot of it comes from, too, is, you know, uh, if I'm a smoker, okay, I'm pretty much, you know, understanding that lung cancer could be in my future. But from somebody who's living this, uh, you know, living a, a healthy lifestyle, you know, brain disease is is scary. And we don't know what causes it or where it really comes from. Yeah, can I can I give you a, a really simple way of thinking about dementia? Is and I heard a doctor, um, actually uh, Dr. Trin, one of our advisors, say this. He says, and you mentioned this earlier. There's no magic pill. There just isn't. And the reason there isn't is because it's really three factors that causes dementia: it's inflammation, circulation, and toxins. Inflammation, circulation, and toxins. So there's not going to be one pill that's going to take them all. It's either going to be eventually some type of cocktail of multiple medications, but it is why those modifiable risk factors and the things that that patients can do for themselves really does matter when it comes to cognitive function, cognitive health. Tom, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Freedom Doc, and then come back for the second part of our episode. Physician burnout is a killer. It is driving our best and brightest out of medicine. The only solution to burnout is being your own boss. Easiest way to be your own boss is join the Freedom Doc Physician Network. Freedom Doc is a unified consumer brand and will fully finance your practice so that you can enjoy a healthier lifestyle, take better care of patients, and spend more time with your family. You focus on patients. Freedom Doc focuses on your business. So if you're ready to be your own boss, visit our website, freedomdoc.care, to learn more and schedule a consultation with one of our experts, Freedom Doc Accessible Concierge Healthcare. Once again, we are back with Tom O'Neill, the CEO of Cognivu. And in the first part of our episode, Tom, we were talking about health assessments, really mental health assessment tools and where they were, where they are now. You're running Cognivu now and, and really on the cutting edge, again, uh, to use that term. And uh, I, I don't mean to be punny in, in a healthcare podcast by saying, you know, the bleeding edge and cutting edge of it. But 
We talked about Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, that's like the worst of the worst from cognitive assessments. And you brought up so many other different items, things for really people to keep an eye on or be aware of that isn't full-blown dementia, full-blown Alzheimer's. So kind of taking a step back and taking a peek under the hood. Did you did you grow up as a little kid being like, you know what, one day I am going to lead a rule-breaking, groundbreaking, innovative cognitive assessment company one day? Was that your childhood dream? It wasn't. I, I'm not sure I even had college in my, my dreams when I was in high school. So um, no, I was more the class clown. I ended up finding my path in college. But I chose healthcare because it started with Johnson & Johnson and and spent a, a number of years at J&J. And I've been in healthcare, like I said, for 30 years, which just means I'm old, right? But But for me, it is about making a difference and having an impact in life more than just having an income and, and having a, a career or a job. What made a difference for me here was same thing, right? I saw my grandma go through uh, dementia, which is on that really heavy end of the the, the spectrum of, of cognitive uh, issues. But I also saw my aunt Sal. My aunt Sal, with, so just a quick story, it, it's very different because it tied to hearing, okay? So, so the, the easy way to explain this is, we hear with our ears, but we process those sounds with our brain. Hearing is the most modifiable risk factor for mild cognitive impairment and dementia. It's fact-based. It's study-based. It is the most modifiable risk factor. It also takes people on, on average seven years to go get their ears checked and maybe get hearing aids. So it is one of those things, whether it's ego-driven or I just don't want to spend the money or whatever it might be. I saw my aunt Sal go from this amazing dynamic businesswoman person at the family parties, birthday parties. She'd be, you know, jumping around all the rooms. She'd, she'd be in a, you know, talking to everybody, having a great time. To all of a sudden I saw her start to try to read your lips, try to interpret what you're saying to maybe a couple of years later, laughing at the wrong time because she was trying to just keep up, but wasn't hearing things right to ultimately seeing her sit in in a room on the couch and we lost her to dementia, right? So it was one of those things where I think it really could have made a difference had we gotten her to to go get her ears checked because when your brain has to work overtime to try to process sounds, it 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 starts to have an impact on your cognitive function. So for me, it, be, it was very personal with my seeing what happened with my grandma and then also with Ansel. Ansel, and I think with Ansel, it definitely was something that could have been impacted or changed based on getting her to an audiologist or a hearing information specialist to get her some hearing aids. That's what drives it for me. I find that fascinating. I, I, I had no idea that hearing was... I mean, is that the number one like risk factor or is that the number one like telltale? That it's the number one. It's the number one risk factor to the, the number, excuse me, the number one modifiable risk factor to cognitive function or cognitive impairment. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to go ahead and turn the volume down on my earphones right now as we're, as we're talking, just as you say that, but I'm like, you know, it, not to, not to make light of it, but I, that kind of it, it does blow my mind because I'm sitting here thinking oh, it's genetics, it's it's unhealthy lifestyles, hearing. So it's sensory. Well, so think about it. So it works for both ways, right? For hearing and vision. So we see with our eyes, but we interpret those images with our brain. We hear with our ears, but we we process those sounds with our brain. You know, the retina is nothing more than brain tissue, right? So 
think about those things and what are important. So your doctor should be thinking about things that, that are the obvious, right? What is the drug interactions that, that the medications that patient might be on? Do they have a hearing issue? Do they have a vision issue that they just haven't resolved or taken care of? You know, some of our, in fact, our biggest segment, our fastest growing segment is hearing care professionals right now because it allows them to have a, a bigger, broader healthcare conversation with that patient versus just your hearing. We have an issue with your hearing. It's also impacting or could be impacting your cognitive function. You mentioned earlier how you know, very few people, at least in America and the world, have not seen the effects of dementia, or certain any type of dementia on loved ones, maybe themselves. And so I like your thinking that this isn't just a medical issue. This is a society issue. Give us a little bit of insight on what you mean when you say that cognitive diseases are a society issue. So they're estimating this is a $1 trillion impact in the world, right? So there are, we call it the graying of America, right? I, I resemble that if I had hair, but but the graying of America, right? So the, people are getting older. The, the population is getting older. And because of those things like diet, exercise, lifestyle, the, the inflammation, circulation, and toxins, we know that this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And it's not just an issue for the patients. The challenge is the health systems, the healthcare system is not taking care of these patients. We know in a very traditional sense that primary care within a system is not screening people's cognitive function like they should. And when I, and these, these are good friends, right? I have a lot of friends who are in that space, the primary care, family practice, internal medicine docs. And when I ask them, why don't they do it on a regular basis? It's really three things. It's first off, they're seeing 30 to 40 patients a day and they just, they don't have the time to do it. The second thing is if they do do it, the payers, the commercial payers, don't necessarily pay primary care internal medicine docs to do it. They don't have any pro There's codes out there for the specialists, the neurologist, neuropsychs. By the way, it takes four to six months on average to see a neurologist in America, right? So you got to get to see your primary care doc. But if the payers aren't going to help make sure that that's covered, that's a real challenge. And the third is up until, like I just mentioned earlier in the show, there was no prescription they could write. There's still not necessarily a prescription because that, that drug that I mentioned, it has to be infused. So they have to go to an infusion center twice a month for an hour each time to get the infusion. And then they're going to have to be watched very closely because of the side effect profile. So those are the three things keeping primary care and traditional health systems from really integrating what I think should be the fifth vital sign, which is cognitive testing, cognitive function into the into the health system as it is. And I don't care if it's policymakers, payers, the health system itself or the providers, they're all challenged. And so we we're in a lot of discussions now with this recent drug approval because health systems are realized when ASI and when, when Lilly gets approved and when they turn on the direct to consumer advertising, which is not necessarily going to be just advertising for the drug, but it's going to be educating consumers on mild cognitive impairment. Man, they're all going to come asking about it. And right now the health system is not set up for it. So when I say it's as much a society issue it is, because guess who's taking care of these patients? It's caregivers, it's family members, it's people that don't have access to neurologists or to those medications. So to me, it's as big or bigger society issue 
because the impact on the caregiver isn't just the the time it takes to take care of their loved one. It's the impact of them at work. It's the impact of them and their financial means. It's a society issue. I want to dive into what you said about this should be a normal part of routine visits to your physician. And I fully understand, you know, really that the the handcuffs and limitations that are placed on primary care just from a time standpoint, right? So I totally agree with you. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, wow, Tom, I wonder if there was a different economic model out there for primary care that allows allows doctors to, we're laughing. Yeah. So looking at the concierge and the direct primary care world, do you see a big opportunity for physicians and those type of practices to use something like your product at Cogniview to be able to really put these cognitive assessments and and really brain health at the forefront of what we kind of collectively deem as preventive medicine? Yeah, I do. I absolutely think they they can be a a key component of this because they're the front lines, right? And by the way, when I talk about the other primary care doctors that are maybe within a system, they're employed, they're not bad doctors. They all want to do the right thing for their patients. But it's that's it's just the the machine. It's the system, right? That that keeps them from being able to do all the things I think they want to do for their patients. So I do think that that concierge doc is is a great model for for both doctors to to certainly practice great medicine, probably the way they want to practice medicine, but also for patients to have access to to kind of the best newest technologies that are out there. We also we're just very strong supporters of of the independent docs, uh, but also independent pharmacists. So, you know, we don't we have we have a number of independent pharmacies. We don't sell to the big three or four pharmacies, but we do sell to independent pharmacies, CPSN and others that are really clinically service focused to, to make sure that they're bringing value to their patients as well. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think I think concierge docs are a great first step. And the organization you were doing the commercial for, very specifically, they make sure you have access to a neurologist or a neuropsych or a psychiatrist, if you psychologist, if you need that as a follow-up, if they can't intervene, whatever they can intervene with, they intervene with. If they can't handle it, like it's something outside their scope, then they can they can recommend you to a specialist that can handle it. It's so much of healthcare is identifying, assessing, and then educating. And and that goes along with um, just a lack of time that most physicians in the insurance-dominated world are just able to do. So, you know, I know it's picking on doctors, but you know what? There is a choice out there. There are options out there if they're tired of the hamster wheel, as we've already said earlier with the Freedom Doc commercial. There you go. So thanks for calling that back out. Tom, as we come to a close here, you know, I got two more questions for you. One... Kind of give us a brief glimpse of what the economic model is behind Cogniview. Is this more of like a device sales or what are we what are we talking about for anybody who might be interested in exploring more? Yep. So it's it's two models. It's one is which is the primary model we sell under. It's a subscription model. So for a, a low monthly subscription, whether you use it on one patient or a hundred patients, it's the same price. Okay. There's no upfront capital, there's no per click fee, it's just the monthly subscription. Um, and then there is a capital with service. So if you want to own the device, you can you can purchase it and then have a, a low monthly uh, service fee for everything from the software updates to the upgrades to the the new devices and other things. So it's really those two models. But the subscription model is the one that primary primarily gets the uh, gets the that's what we get signed up for. 
and you said earlier, mostly with pharmacies, clinics, more of a direct to clinician type of approach. Yeah, direct. Yeah. So for sure. And certainly we're having a lot of conversations now with, with health systems because they know that the, this patient population is going to be coming uh, to their door. But we've really set ourselves up and developed our business where a lot of other cognitive testing technologies have built their business on pharma development. We've built it on providers and practices. So we have, we have been working with the MDs, with the audiologists, with the pharmacists for years to really understand the patient flow. You know, how do you charge a patient? What do you charge a patient? How do you have a conversation about brain health with a patient? How do you educate a patient? Those are things we've spent our time becoming experts in. Last question for you, Tom. I'm going to go, I'm going to make you the billboard czar of the entire United States. You got the ability to control every single billboard that is out there. Cars are flying by at, uh, let's say, 75 miles an hour. What are you going to put on your billboards across the nation? I'd say go get your brain tested because I, I think, or just brain health, you know, brainhealth.com. <laughs> go ask, go ask your doctor about your brain health. Chris, it's, it's a much bigger issue. And, and, and I would say the majority of your listeners, whether they're the doctors or they're their patients or consumers, absolutely understand this. They're just looking for a place they can go to get it looked at. Tom O'Neill, CEO of Cognivu. Tom, thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. This has been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. That's going to do it for this episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes. Subscribe to our mailing list and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all of our episodes. Visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced and managed by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom Health Works and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.